are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday, November 12th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your hostess with the most is here. Unlocked on Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. We are closely watching the Dolphins injury report this week. Uh, as the Dolphins look to get back to a place of health and prosperity as much as possible ahead of Week 10 against the Los Angeles Chargers. And so far, so good. Yesterday's injury report for the Dolphins, they had a walkthrough that designated three players of limited participation. Nobody else was non-participants other than the players that are on the COVID list, uh, Lynn Bowden, who returned to practice today, according to Brian Flores. So that's good for Miami. And also, running back Miles Gaskin and Preston Williams, obviously, who went on injured reserve. They are, are not going to be available for Week 10 against the Chargers. But otherwise, one of the more prominent Dolphins players, Matt Breida, who missed last week's game, uh, returned to practice in a limited participation role uh, through the Dolphins' walkthrough with the hamstring issue that he's been battling. Durham Smythe marked as a limited participant due to a concussion. And defensive back Jamal Perry, a limited participant with a foot issue after missing the last two games for the Dolphins. So, on the mend. This Miami Dolphins team is well on their way on the mend. And we will be exploring this matchup in depth today alongside Locked On Chargers for the crossover series that we are doing all season long uh, between the podcasts of opponents on Sundays. And when we speak with Locked On Chargers, we'll have a great opportunity to kind of hear where their talent is at from a health perspective. Some players who their absences could be the difference for the Dolphins and Chargers in a clash of two quarterbacks drafted within the top six picks in the 2020 NFL Draft. That will, of course, be the dominant storyline for this football game. But there's another Dolphins storyline attached to this football game that we really haven't acknowledged all that much yet, but Brian Flores this morning acknowledged it very much so. The Dolphins wearing their throwback uniforms in this game against the Los Angeles Chargers. And Dolphins fans everywhere have been begging and pleading this Dolphins organization to make the throwback uniforms once again the base kit for the Dolphins. And that's not the way it's going to play out. But the Dolphins, over the course of their next eight football games, the remaining eight this season, are going to wear these throwback alternates a total of three times. So you will, almost half of Miami's football games, be seeing these throwback retro kits that are just absolutely beautiful. The Dolphins uniforms as they currently stand are clean, and I'm a big proponent of you got to look good to play good. But the throwback uniforms, there's something about the retro feel to the Dolphins kit that is undeniable. It's clean. Uh, the gray face mask is a great touch. There's not too much going on. 
and uh, Dolphins fans everywhere seem to love them. Brian Flores admitted he likes them too. He said, I don't really care what we wear during his press conference this morning. Uh, But he did say, I do like the old uniforms. And he ends his call by saying, I like the old uniforms. We like the old uniforms too. So I don't know if Tom Garfinkel, Stephen Ross, who needs to hear it, but count Locked On Dolphins amongst the Dolphins nation that is begging and pleading you to please bring these retro fits back as the de facto uniforms for the Miami Dolphins. They'd be undefeated. If you look good to play good, they would be undefeated because these things are so clean. Uh, So excited for the first chance to see the retro uniforms uh, for the Dolphins this season, this weekend against the Chargers. The other thing I would like to address before we tap into Locked on Chargers for our crossover today, uh, Matt Bowen of NFL Matchup, who is phenomenal at his job for ESPN, uh, shared quite a bit of tendencies through the first half of the 2020 NFL season, and there's a couple that uh, were of really big interest to me personally. If I told you that the Dolphins blitzed at the fifth highest rate in the NFL in 2020 thus far, would you believe me? Yes. Based off the course of the past month, we've really seen this team ramp the aggressiveness up. Top five blitz rates, five or more pass rushers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 43%. Pittsburgh Steelers, 43.3%. Arizona Cardinals, 37.2%. Baltimore Ravens, 36.5%. Miami Dolphins, 36.2%. Where this gets really interesting is when you add in the layer of team defense success that each of these top five teams in blitz rates has. All five of these teams are top 10 in the NFL in scoring defense. Tampa Bay is ninth, 22.6 points per game. Pittsburgh is tied with Miami, 20.1 points per game, tied for fourth. Arizona is eighth, 22.5, and the Baltimore Ravens are first in points per game, allowed 17.8. You can expand this even further. You'll find there's a correlation to turnovers created. Tampa Bay, first in the NFL in takeaways, 16. Steelers, tied for second with 15. Ravens and Dolphins tied for fifth with 14. And the Cardinals tied for 14th, still top half of the league, with 10. The aggressiveness that the Dolphins have really been able to unchain is a massive piece of this team's identity. And as we forecast this game against the Chargers, Justin Herbert has had a lot of success against the Blitz. But he's still a young quarterback. Navigating pressure was not something that was overly intrinsic. And you've seen glimpses of teams being able to box and trap him in. I think the Dolphins can get after and close him much more effectively than what they did Kyler Murray because the walls were closing in around Kyler. The Dolphins just simply couldn't close because of how quick twitch he was in short spaces. Justin Herbert's a good athlete. He's a great athlete. But he's not quick twitch to the degree in which Kyler Murray is. And that's why I would expect, even though Herbert's been good against the Blitz, you see the Dolphins continue that approach in Week 10. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, 
It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about. Let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone's craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash, and you can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your front door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero in delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order and zero in delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON. All right, everybody, we're here on Crossover Thursday, and of course, I am joined by Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. You can find him on Twitter at GrindingTheTape. He is absolutely everywhere covering football. Uh, if you need anything about the Draft Network, he's all over that too, so send him questions about that. This guy is uh, very, very knowledgeable. But hey, the reason why we're here today is to get into this Chargers and Dolphins matchup Uh and so I'm going to start things off with this. I mean, the Dolphins had a ton, and I mean a ton of draft picks in the 2020 draft, five in the first two rounds. Can you kind of give me your assessment of the Dolphins draft class first uh, through the first eight games of the season? Yeah, this is a great time to kind of take a look in the rear view and look at some of those decisions with half a season under the belt for the Dolphins. And obviously the headliner is Tua Tungavailoa, who the Dolphins made a transition to after six games of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Tua, very quiet with his first start, but he really showcased a lot of what made him so special at Alabama and the upset win against the Chargers. Austin Jackson at left tackle was the starting left tackle to open the season. Uh, he went on IR for a foot injury and then came back, and and actually his first came back was this last game against Arizona as well after missing a month of action. The least impactful of the five first and second round picks uh, has actually been the third first-round pick, Noah Igbenogany, who was forced into action early on for the Dolphins uh, when Byron Jones missed a couple weeks with a groin injury. And you could tell he was uh, an inexperienced corner. He'd only played corner for two years at Auburn after playing initially wide receiver. And uh, that action was more than you could tell they planned on him having early on. So he's kind of been backburnered over the course of the past month since Byron Jones got healthy. But Robert Hunt right now is starting at right tackle for the Dolphins. The Dolphins' offensive line is much improved from last year in large part because of these two rookie tackles. And then Raekwon Davis has stepped in for Devon Gotchow, who got injured with a biceps injury earlier in the season and has play been playing really good uh, defensive line play from the nose tackle position, having bulked up to about 330 pounds. So you're looking at four starters out of these first five picks right now for Miami. I mean, hey, that's the, every single team's dream right there, right, to hit on that many guys, to have guys that are going to come in and contribute that quickly. Uh, I mean, that's got to be really exciting for the Dolphins organization. But, uh, you know, you talked about the the switch, you know, going from Fitzmagic to uh, Tua, and I kind of thought that was a little bit uh, weird, honestly. I just haven't seen anybody kind of handle that situation like that. What did you think of that decision, and was it the right time to make that move? 
I think it'd be very easy to point to the Dolphins three and three, two consecutive wins, and say this there's no there's no justification to make the change. And while you technically be right, uh, because the Dolphins as a team, you don't lose your job typically for having success, right? And, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, ever since he came to Miami, Miami at the beginning of 2019, really, it's felt as though he's played the best ball of his career since he got to Miami. He's like a fine wine, gets better with age. But um, <laughs> you could still see some of the limitations that he had as a passer. Uh, Miami was converting 57% of their red zone dri- trips into touchdowns in the six games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. In two games with Tua Tagovailoa, Miami is five for five. So when the field gets condensed, Ryan, who's a little bit more of a general accuracy guy, is not known for his pinpoint accuracy as much as Tua was at Alabama and what Tua showed against Arizona. Uh, when the field gets condensed, some of the decision-making – uh, always has been a gunslinger, playing it loose. There's less margin for error. I think things like that and executing the reads post-snap versus what he gets pre-snap. Ryan is so good pre-snap, but teams and defenses who can change the picture on him post-snap, he doesn't always change his mind uh, versus what he anticipated he was going to go pre-snap, and it led to some dangerous throws. So I think Brian Flores, looking at the youth of this team, seeing an opportunity to maybe get a little bit more precision in the red zone uh, and just feeling comfortable with Tua Tungvaloa's grasp of the offense after an additional six weeks with no true preseason reps to, to be able to lean on uh, all kind of added up. And, and if the Dolphins keep playing the way that they have been as a collective team, even if Tua struggles, this team is going to be in position to help him win some ball games and vice versa. Well, it helps when your team is scoring points on all three phases. That's something Anthony Lynn said in this press conference today is that the Dolphins are scoring points on offense, they're scoring points on defense, and they're scoring points on special teams. So when you get that kind of contribution from the as a whole from your entire team, I mean, that makes things a whole lot easier on a rookie quarterback. But moving on to the defensive side of the ball, the defense, the defense for the Dolphins, they've been great against the pass. I believe they're ranked eighth in the NFL so far. But against the run... Uh, it's kind of the opposite picture. They're giving up 130-plus rushing yards per game. What do you think is allowing them to have so much success against the pass but struggle so mightily against the run? Well, I think when you look at how the Dolphins chose to spend their money this offseason and they gave Byron Jones this monster contract and uh, 16 months ago they had given Xavier Howard a record-setting contract and, and that contract since been lapped by like six or seven different corners but very high priced cornerback duo they very much covet secondary play and it makes sense when you consider Brian Flores is a disciple of the Bill Belichick school of coaching which has always had a really strong secondary Uh, as far as their ability to step up and stop the run the team did make the decision to trade linebacker Raquan McMillan on the eve of the start of the season, which was a surprising move for some. He, they traded him to the Raiders. Uh, he was kind of their thud, thumper, run defender. But because he was so limited in his pass coverage ability, he was only playing 35-40% of the snaps. Well, they, they trade him after the majority of training camp. And then they play the New England Patriots week one, who break out the Cam Newton power run game. Uh, from the quarterback position in New England romps for 217 yards against the Dolphins in that football game and New England wins 21-11. So uh, it kind of, they started slow. 
and you you have seen McMillan's replacement, Elandon Roberts, over the course of the last two or three ball games, really start to uh, get his feet underneath of him, filling that same role as your primary run stopper at the mic position. So it's an it's an area that you're encouraged by the direction that they're trending. They played everything other than Kyler Murray just being an absolute <laughs> freak at the quarterback position. Like uh, Chase Edmonds had 2.8 yards per carry last week for Arizona and right. had between 15 and 20 carries on the game. So they're trending in the right direction, but they definitely are feeling the loss of a true Mike linebacker here on this defense. What is one of the weak weaknesses on the offense and on the defense that you think the chargers would be wise to exploit in this game on Sunday? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for the offensive side of the ball, when Miami has the ball, you want to try to challenge them to take this stuff underneath and then come up and tackle because the Dolphins do not have a lot of athletes that are going to make you miss and create a lot of chunk plays. So if you're able to make them and force them to play within the 10, 15-yard box and keep everything in front of you and come up and tackle and then hope for a miscue or you, you're able to, to cover the primary read and you force the young quarterback uh, to double clutch and then the pass rush can get home, that's the challenge with Miami is the ball is out of both quarterbacks' hands so quickly. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is averaging about 2.45 seconds from snap to release. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was averaging 2.4 seconds snap to release. So they don't hold the ball very long. So you got to be able to tackle in space. Uh, as far as offensively for the Chargers, when they have the football, uh, they need to, Miami's going to try their absolute best to take their attention and give it to your top two or three weapons. So obviously Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, those guys, uh, it's going to be a heavy hitting uh, matchup between these corners for Miami. So who else can you get involved and in what capacity, whether it's the backs in the passing game out of the backfield, uh, which having seen some of Justin Herbert's games thus far this season, it seems like uh, the Carolina game was a game that stood out as Justin being smart with the ball and taking it underneath. You got to be willing to do that and stay patient uh, because Miami's going to try and force you into a third and long situation. And when then they're going to really hunt the football and they've uh, forced a turnover and I believe 17 consecutive games. Uh, so they're they're really clicking as far as generating turnovers defensively. You got to avoid that. Yeah, and they're definitely going to come after Justin Herbert, no question. I, another another nugget of uh, of information that Anthony Lynn provided in his press conference is that he watched a game where the the Dolphins split zero twenty times in a single game. So they are definitely not afraid to come after the quarterback. Although I would probably caution against that for Justin Herbert, but I'm sure we'll get into that in the next segment here. But to to wrap this thing up, you know, just what what do you think is ultimately going to just end up deciding this game, particularly on Sunday? I think it's whichever rookie quarterback less makes less mistakes. And, and you and I talked uh, before we started recording here the crossover segment about how these guys are all going to be tied together, right? And and hopefully mm -hmm. this is the first of many battles between these two. Um, but I think the defining element of this one is going to be who avoids the mental miscue uh, that could potentially provide a game-swinging play or a, a team-stealing a possession from the other team? Hey, that's good stuff right there from Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. We're going to switch things on over, and he's going to ask me some stuff about the Chargers, and we're going to do that right after this. 
We here at the Locked On Network have been big-time proponents of the Built brand, and Built's newest product, Built Go, just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one and a half ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever. And it's always ready to go when you are. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system, beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, and it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Continuing this Locked On crossover series, Locked On Chargers, Locked On Dolphins, we have reached week 10 of the NFL season, which is pretty crazy to believe. Uh, But also crazy to believe uh, is some of the hard luck (laughs) <laughs> that this Los Angeles Chargers, and I I know as Chargers fans, you probably get a lot of the, the Chargering and butt of the jokes. Oh, yeah. and, and, and I actually look at this Chargers team from my perspective, and I'm encouraged by so much of what is going on with this organization. And with a rookie quarterback, it's understandable to not be consistently closing games. So my question for you is as you look at what's happened with the Chargers in 2020 in one-score games versus 2019 and prior in one-score games, is there also that sense of optimism that, you know, it's it's the same end result in a lot of cases where they can't quite close it out, but at the same time, there's different elements and different reasons to feel a different kind of way about it? I think if you talk to Charger fans, and, you know, we've heard from a lot of them, uh, I think it's just, First of all, extremely painful to watch the many incredible different ways that the Chargers will snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And I mean, I, I mean that very literally because they've had, I think, four 16 plus point leads this year and have squandered every single one of them. So to watch them find different ways to lose football games is agonizing. But I think the one thing you have to take out of this is that all of them are one score games. The Chargers have not been blown out of any a single ball game this entire season they've lost all of their games by seven points or less so they are right there and that's the thing right there i think that you have to take solace in is because you're not there if you're not doing good things throughout the course of the football game you see the defense get some great stops you see them show flashes of brilliance you've seen all sorts of flashes of brilliance from the offensive side but it just seems like when the game is on the line the team And the defense, more specifically, they don't make the plays to close out football games. They're close, but they don't have that killer instinct. And that right there is the difference between a team that has a lot of skill, position, talent, and a team that has it figured out and goes out there and puts their foot on an opponent's throat and finishes a football game. 
so obviously one of the the high profile storylines for this game is going to be the matchup between the rookie quarterbacks Tua Tagovailoa who was drafted 5th overall, Justin Herbert who was drafted 6th overall and and Justin is performing even his biggest fans uh their expectations for him thus far this season uh, as far as a production standpoint and and I would know cuz I was one of Justin's biggest fans in the pre-draft process, this was a guy graded as a top 10 overall prospect. Obviously, Chargers pulling the trigger on him with the sixth overall pick. A lot of belief there in what he can be, but I'm not even sure the Chargers expected this, right? As far as the no. production, the the he's completely flipped the switch as far as his comfort in extending plays and when he's under pressure and the arm talent just explodes off the screen at you. So... How much better has Justin Herbert from the Chargers per point of view been versus what the expectation was? Well, I think the expectation was is you're getting a kid that has all the size, the arm talent, the intelligence, all those type of intangibles that you're looking for at the quarterback position, but not necessarily the mental processing of the football field. I think when I was watching tape on Justin Herbert in the draft process, that was one of the things, and it might might have been a byproduct of the offense that he was in. There was a lot of quick throws, a lot of getting the ball out of his hands quickly, but he didn't process the football field very you know, effectively. He didn't go through all of his reads. It seemed like it was just a scan one, one part of the field or go through one or two reads, and then the football's out. One thing I think you have to credit the Chargers and, more importantly, you know, Pep Hamilton and also Justin Herbert for seeking out the – what's the quarterback's coach's name? I can't remember – Tom House, I believe, yeah. So he he he, he seeked out Tom House in the offseason, and I think that work right there was invaluable to what he is showing right now because, one, when you blitzed him in college, he got flustered and he did not make good decisions. But that has all been turned around. I think him being blitzed now, he's making great decisions. He's getting the ball out, getting it, getting the ball out accurately, and those are huge differences from his college tape to his pro tape. We already knew this guy was an in- incredibly intelligent football player, but he he has also went out, seeked help. The Chargers brought in more help with Pep, Pep Hamilton, and he's turned those deficiencies into strengths. So I think you have to credit the kid for going out there and working on his craft and being the quarterback that we see today. Did the Chargers expect this? Absolutely not. Nobody expected this crazy amount of performance. It seems like week after week, Justin Herbert is breaking another NFL record. So as we look at the rest of the Chargers offense from the Dolphins' point of view, obviously the uh, the absence of Austin Eckler is a notable one uh, with the injury that he suffered earlier this season that has him on IR. How has the rest of the running game been able to pick up the slack? Obviously, there's a name that Dolphins fans are going to be very familiar with in Kalen Balaj, who got a lot of run this past week for the Chargers. Uh, but between him and Josh Kelly, rookie from UCLA, and Justin Jackson, a lot of bodies there. How have they found a rhythm between trying to feed uh, all these players amid the absence of Eckler? I mean, the Chargers have done a really good job of trying to take anybody they can to go out there and perform, you know, admirably well. I think they had Troy Main Poop. Uh, excuse me, Troy Main Pope, a guy who they brought in last year who has been with the Chargers organization, and he's come out and run, ran very effectively. Justin Jackson's had some up-and-down games, but he's just been so injured throughout his tenure with the Chargers. He's so explosive. When he gets the ball in his hands, he can absolutely make people miss. But 
you have to be available in the NFL. You have to be there. You have to be able to go out there and get on the football field and perform game after game. And that's just unfortunately something that Justin Jackson has been unable to do in his tenure. And have the Chargers missed Austin Eckler? Absolutely. Austin Eckler is incredibly dynamic in the passing game and in the running game. He doesn't put up huge stat numbers, but he's incredibly efficient. He's one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL. The Chargers are desperately missing him. But I think scheme-wise, the Chargers are doing a very, very good job of running the football and staying committed to it. I mean, they have a running back as their head coach, a former running back. So that's definitely his baby. That's his brainchild. Uh, He's always going to have an extra little focus on the running game. They want to be a power running team, but I think they're realizing now that they need to pass to set up the run and just use the run as a compliment. The pass is their main weapon. As Dolphins fans look at, the Chargers roster in its entirety and, and compare and contrast. Uh, one area that Dolphins, the Dolphins have been fortunate to this point in time, up until about two weeks ago, uh, throughout the course of the 2020 season, ability and injuries. We had mentioned in the previous segment, Austin Jackson spent a little bit of time away, but he's come back. Miami is potentially facing this, playing this game without either of their top two running back options. Miles Gaskin is on IR. Matt Breida uh, was limited in Wednesday's practice uh, with a hamstring issue. Wide receiver Preston Williams just went on injury reserve for three weeks. I'm curious what the losses that the Chargers have incurred to this point in the season are from an injury standpoint and how well they've been able to adjust and amend those losses with the other personnel that they have at their disposal. So I think you're starting on the defensive side, the the biggest guy that they've missed, which unfortunately was out before the season even started, is Derwin James. Mm -hmm. Derwin James is absolutely an incredibly dynamic football player. He can affect the game in so many different ways. I've said it many times on my show, but this guy is a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he's the prototypical. I think if you built a safety from the ground up, it would be Derwin James. He can rush the passer. he He can play deep. He can tackle. He can play in the box. He is so dynamic, and the Chargers are desperately missing him uh, in his absence. And they've tried to, you know, use the second-year guy, Nazir Adderley, as the free safety, move Rayshon Jenkins over from strong safety. Uh, But they have struggled, especially taking their angles. Uh, Nazir Adderley basically redshirted his first year. He was injured pretty much the entire time. And you're seeing him make a lot of mistakes out there. We know that the talent is there. He has great ball skills and awareness and speed. But I think the lack of playing time and the lack of the offseason, frankly, due to the pandemic, has stunted his growth a little bit. And I think you see that out there on the football field. On the offensive side, the injuries have been run rapid. On the offensive line, the offensive line for the Chargers has been a turnstile. It seems like at guard, they've had three or four different guys there at right guard. They traded for Trey Turner uh, when they traded their left tackle, Russell Okung, to the Panthers for Trey Turner. But Trey Turner's played a, a handful of 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 plays in the second game that they played against the Chiefs this year, but has been pretty much injured the entire rest of the year. He has finally participated in practice last week in a limited partic- uh, in a limited fashion also that has continued this week also their right tackle Brian Bulaga who they signed in the offseason spent a lot of money on he's been out a lot so that right side of the offensive line for the Chargers has been very very beleaguered very injured uh, and it seems like thankfully this week they should have both of those guys out there on Sunday they need all the help they can get 
My last question is a familiar one. It's one that you asked me. So if the Dolphins are looking for a winning formula and a winning game plan against the Chargers, what's one area of emphasis that they should be focused on in your eyes on both sides of the football? So on the offensive side for the Dolphins, they need to run the football. I know that's that's something that you, you know you said your top two running back options are might not be available this Sunday. Well, the Chargers are giving up almost five yards per carry on the ground, so there is a big opportunity to run the football against this team, even if that is with the quarterback with Tua. Uh, they definitely should look to run the ball. The Chargers are not good against the the run. Last week, the Raiders just steamrolled straight through them. They could not stop the run to save their lives. And on on defense for the <clears throat> excuse me on defense for the Dolphins, they should absolutely look to take away Keenan Allen and force them to find someone else to beat them. Like you were talking about, I think you know Hunter Henry is probably a guy they're going to have to key in on if they try to take away Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So the middle of the field, I think, is something the Chargers are going to try to exploit. So they're going to have to try to take that away. And I know they have an incredible pass rush. So getting after Justin Herbert. Uh, is good is a good thing, but you have to pick your spots because he's been very good against the blitz. So pick your spots to come after him. Definitely try to take away the middle of the field. Try to take away the tight ends. I think that's going to be their plan of attack. There you have it. If you're a Chargers fan, a Dolphins fan, regardless, we're thankful that you tuned in. Listen to this Locked On crossover between Locked On Chargers and Locked On Dolphins. We wish nothing but the best for everybody this weekend. Enjoying the football Hopefully, your team comes out on top. I don't think we'll agree on that, David. But uh, other than that, uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the Locked On Crossover Series and subscribing to your favorite Locked On podcasts.